right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of your Adrenal Fix podcast, where our mission is to tell the truth about adrenal fatigue to exhausted and burnt out adults so that they can get their energy back quickly. And today I'm really excited to interview my next guest, Dr. John Tate, who's the chief health strategist for Rejuvenative Medicine uh, Medical Southwest. After more than 15 years of medical training, including two fellowships and acquiring three board certifications, Dr. Tate saw his how conventional medicine was failing so many patients. And after his own devastating injury in 2012, which left him looking for an alternative way for a potential third spinal surgery, he found the solution and his true calling and in functional and regenerative medicine. So Dr. John, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, you know, my, my audience are people that are exhausted and burnt out and much like you, I had a devastating back injury myself. And so sounds like I'd like to know a little bit more about your history, your background, um, what got you to where you are today. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your story? Sure. Well, we'll just launch off right from, uh, you know, February, 2012. So I was a few years out in practice, I'd completed all that training, uh, 15 years, you know, school, residency, two fellowships. I knew a lot. I was, my practice at that time was a integrative uh, pain clinic I was working within. And we had a great model. We had a psychologist, had physical therapists. Uh, we were very good at doing interventions to alleviate pain, um, medications, uh, interventions that we were injecting in the spine or, or, um, we'll say numbing nerves, uh, deadening nerves, so people couldn't feel things, you know, with joints in their spine. So we had a very good system uh, built around that. And uh, then I found myself on the other side of the table, you know, in that month. And the backstory with my back is actually my first year of medical school, I herniated a disc in my back a few months before I was scheduled to start school. And I worked through conventional treatments, ultimately had a surgery of my L5S1 disc in my uh, uh, spring break of my first year of medical school. <laughs> I was not on vacation in Cancun. I was uh, getting surgery. So I learned a lot from that. Obviously, it's a, it was a pivotal kind of course correction in my, in my training at that time um, and walked that forward. Unfortunately, I, I had some issues with that a couple of years later, went through the conventional rigmarole again, uh, came out the other side really good. And that was about 10 years until that February, 2012, where I, uh, I woke up that morning, had some symptoms in my leg, but I was, I was committed to an event doing a, I do a lot of hiking and we were going to do a charity event. Uh, and we'd raised a ton of money with, uh, with my wife to do this event. And I wasn't going to back out of the event. Uh, so I'll shorten the story, but I gave myself a, a pretty good dense radiculopathy in my leg over the course of hiking 30 miles that day. And landed back in my office Monday morning thinking, am I going to go through the same stuff again, the shots, the meds, and maybe ultimately a third surgery? Uh, and I didn't like, like that view. So after a week or so of the what ifs, I got to work on the what now? How do I solve this without doing those things and find a different path out of it this time? Gotcha. Okay, so it's always it's always a um, a learning process with your own health in order to help other people with with their health. So so as far as 
the model. I love that you had a, a psychologist um, to help with, with the, the pain presentation as well. But what, what do you feel, John, was the big learning aha for you in terms of once you said, okay, I don't want to go down that route one more time, what changed and what did you do? Yeah, great question. I think what it came down to initially was like we see in our cells or our patients, we got to develop this mindset first of, um, was I a little bit fearful when I injured myself again? Of course I was. <laughs> I, I knew all too well now at that time where this could lead for me. And, um, you know, it wasn't out of just a, a disdain for surgery. Otherwise, I just felt that there was, there was a better way to get my body to heal and recover this time around. I had already been spending a little bit of time in the functional medicine space. I had, had been introduced to regenerative medicine through my training with treatments like prolotherapy and platelet therapy. And we were getting now uh, more traction with stem cell therapy and what that could do to help the body heal. So the first thing was just the, the, the mindset or the approach that I said, well, you know, I know what the other version is over here, but I can play this out a little bit longer down this path and see if I can just get my body to turn the corner this time without those other conventional treatments. Um, and the second piece of it, despite us having all of that in our practice, what was really lacking and in, in what's lacking in most people that train through traditional medical school uh, is a deep dive on how the body actually heals and repairs nutritionally uh, from a lifestyle standpoint. And I'm a DO, so we're a little bit more holistic maybe in our thinking. Uh, not that some of my MD counterparts aren't, uh, but you know, I got an inside look at that in, in my training, but I I felt that that was really the gap and I knew it was because as I started exploring in that and saying, okay, I can't do all these physical things to get my body better. Like at this point, my nerve just had to recover from the injury I gave it going and trying to exercise it back into health physically wasn't going to be the way to get there. So now I started looking at the physiology because we spend so much time focused on the anatomy of the thing. What does that MRI look like? Or what does that knee look like on an x-ray? But man, these physiologic systems that you well know in our body that really turn the wheels on our body's ability to repair. So that's, that's where I went uh, down the rabbit hole, you could say, and uh, it didn't look back. I mean, this where just the whole world opened up to me with um, the next layer of functional medicine and regenerative medicine. Yeah, it's a great, great story. I'm sure you're now overwhelmed with knowing now what you don't know in terms of understanding <laughs> that there's this whole psycho, neuro, immuno, endocrine, gastro. It, it's really a back and forth communication system between all of those systems in the body. Um, but going back to your injury, because I could really identify with that and also with... Um, with the listeners that listen to this, a lot of their, their domino effects were from trauma, whether it's physical, emotional, and then they have sort of a post-traumatic or even post-physical injury that can really debilitate them and can really not only cause pain, which I do wanna get into with you today because I wanna discuss your natural approaches to pain and how all those systems help to contribute to getting better, especially with regenerative medicine and, and what you're doing. But back to you, back to you as far as, was there ever a time, John, when, when you, you said you were fearful, um, was there ever a time when you were 
fatigued, exhausted, um, didn't have the energy or it impacted other areas. Cause as you know, pain impacts so many different emotional centers. Um, but were there other areas of your body that, or of your systems or just your health that were also impacted based on those reoccurring traumas that you were having? Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it's a subject that not, not all docs want to go there uh, into that space with their patients, unfortunately. And I think if we don't explore that biopsychosocial piece, uh, or we're focused too much on the anatomy or too much on the biology or physiology, but we really don't explore the, the psychosocial dimension of what's going on. And you know, around that time, um, I can say that <laughs> my practice, uh, it was not my dream practice. <laughs> I, uh, it was a very stressful position. Uh, I was grinding really long, hard hours trying to build a practice for myself. Um, I didn't enjoy every bit of what I was doing there. Um, so I was carrying a certain amount of stress and my way of relieving the stress, like many of us, you included probably is go pound the weights, you know, and, and put actually more stress on my body in a good way, you know, but also I saw cumulatively looking at it in, in kind of this retrospective view. Now the times in my life where I had those injuries and what else was going on in my life at the time, was it this physical insult or was this cumulative trauma psychosocial that, you know, we don't, you know, consider it a trauma, but it does affect these, these systems in our body. And, and there was this article that I read at the time, it's probably seven years old now, I think. Uh, but, you know, University of California, San Diego, Robert uh, ne Nevio or Nevo, but he talked about this mitochondrial, uh, the, basically the features of what he called a cell danger response. Like what happens when your body's under this trauma and this persistent stress and what happens to the physiology of our body that goes into this danger response where we get this mismatch between our metabolic system, we get inflamed, everything gets in that state where it's more vulnerable because we don't have the resources to repair. We have this inflammatory state that's compromising the function of the body and the body breaks, you know, or it can neutralize that cell danger response, that inflammation and really start to turn the wheels on repair and regeneration. And it was very interesting to me at the time, like reading that, because it was just like, why is nobody talking about this stuff? <laughs> like, this is, this is super important. And this is what we're missing in my practice when we just keep injecting this thing because it hurts. We keep medicating this thing because it hurts. But what we're also changing kind of unknowingly, or maybe knowingly, when we accept it as the side effect of the medication is that we're changing that metabolic machinery, as you well know, we start altering those things with pharmaceuticals and, and the taxing load it takes on our spine to de or on our body rather to detoxify all that stuff. It's this cumulative effect. And then yes, maybe this physiologic thing I, or this, this activity I did was that really the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. Uh, but I think it's really an underappreciated space where not everybody's comfortable going into that to really if I review the histories of a lot of my patients, the reason their body went sideways was this mounting cumulative stress in their world here, much more than it was a physical stress that broke a part of their body. 
Yeah, no, awesome stuff. I mean, I'm glad you referenced that. And tomato, tomato. I know I've heard it as Robert Navial. I don't know yeah. if that is yeah. right. So, yeah. um, but he has a follow-up report. I don't know or his his re, his most recent uh, published peer-reviewed study um, beyond the cell danger, which I had to do a lecture for an environmental conference and I didn't know what I was, it was with mold and it was getting into genetics and I was telling the truth about adrenal fatigue and I was really stressed out about it, about what am I going to talk about? And um, I, I, I said, well, let me go to the cell danger because I think that's awesome. And just as a side note, I think that it, it really sheds the importance of even though specialties are great, the body's a generalist. And, and the specialties need to talk to each other because the body's doing what it should under the stress load that it's undergoing. It's not necessarily broken per se. It just needs a, a new paradigm to understand why it's doing what it's doing. And it's a cell danger response to, per, to prevent more danger and to reduce the inequality between supply and demand. Um, but the new paper, John, is awesome in terms of it says that the body gets stuck in healing responses. So it's not able to go from one phase to the next phase to the next phase. And when that happens, you have incomplete healing and then you have more likelihood for, at least at the 30,000 view foot, more likelihood for damage structurally and re-injury and pain for sure. Um, so that's an, that's an awesome paper that you referenced. And so as far as, I guess the question that I would have for you is, how do you apply that now to what you do, what you do now? Because as far as we see, you know, pain is such a huge comment or, or I get people, hey, I'm in a lot of pain, I have a lot of pain. And, um, and ultimately there is that reductionistic approach where I wanna just take something and make the pain go away. And, and, and I don't mind that re recommendation as long as you're understanding the, the entire clinical picture and what are all the things that are contributing to the pain so that you don't rely on those pain things to help you. So as far as that, how do you, I guess the question would be, what's your approach now? H how, do you, how do you balance the, the what you need to help your clients with now with maybe getting more to the root cause or addressing upstream mechanics so that that may take, how do you balance the two? Great question. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there and, and back to your other uh, statement about that, you know, body getting stuck, you know, in that, like that healing phase, or I think, you know, it, I think the phrasing they used in that article is like a metabolic, you know, memory of past, you know, stress encounters or something like that. But it's like these pathways get kind of grooved into your system, you know, especially with people that um, have pain. Right. You know, we look at the processing of pain. Almost, and right? we, it's all, I think they reference it as metabolic addiction too, where yeah. you have the same, sorry to interrupt, the same chemicals that get released for better or for worse, your body kind of gets used and addicted to that. I think that's, that's what he was saying. So yeah. Gotta, yeah. It, yep. And so it can really alter these fundamental pathways as you know, well, and, you know, we talk about just mitochondrial function of cells to be able to produce energy, to get the momentum to actually repair or the, you know, the macronutrients we need to deliver into these cells to give them like the, 
the substrate, the, 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 the literal building blocks so they can repair. And none of that stuff as I, you know, went through all the training that I did and came out of my injury over the next, you know, 12, 18 months studying this to the point where I said, you know, I'm not going back, like literally like I'm moving on and I'm starting a practice built around this other methodology because it's not to your point, like uh, a this or that thing. It is that some patients need that. And I, I tell my patients, it's kind of training wheels um, until we can get your body in balance to balance on its own. Some people need those training wheels. They need a little medication to just get them out of that pain state. Because if you're in that pain cave, it's hard to function, man. It's hard to think. It's hard to have energy to do anything, um, but it is a fine balance because we know it comes at the expense of compromising gut function, cognitive function. Cause I can tell you when I was on those meds, I went back into my practice that Monday morning after that hike. And my partner's like, man, you're in a bad way. Let's get you going on some stuff. You know, started prescribing things like, you know, Lyrica and getting me on these medications to maybe help, you know, with the, the nerve pain I was having. And I was driving to work a couple of days later, like, man, I was holding the wheel, but I felt like my hands weren't on the wheel. It was weird, like out of body, like, whoa, like, and, and this, like, now I'm like realizing what my patients feel on a regular basis. Like they don't, they don't like the way they feel on this stuff, but they don't know what else to do. So they got to take it kind of approach because that's, what's being literally fed to them through pain clinics and other things. And those docs are well-meaning. It's the tool they know how to use. So they use it. Right? It's not that they're ignorant of this. It's just like me. If you would have met me eight, nine years ago, I was knowledgeable of some of this stuff because I was always plugged in taking care of my health, but not at the level now I understand it to help people, you know, uncouple some of those like just links that they've had there to either that metabolic chaos in their body, the physical like adaptations they've made in their body, the, the decompensation of their movement patterns. And so those are all things that, you know, in my process, we start to think about, you know, how do we get your body prepared to get out of this state? Like all of us, like if we were going to go out on, you know, an adventure in the mountains and we're not well-versed at, at, at the path ahead, we would, we would do some education. We would learn, we'd get some maps. We'd sit at base camp for a while. We'd study our route. We'd do all those things. We wouldn't just like spring out in the mountains with no equipment. And so a lot of our patients is just equipping them to have the right mindset to, to really know like it is possible to turn your body around even if you feel it's been, like you said earlier, broken or it's failed you. Well, the body has this incredible resilience to, to bounce back up from that injury if we start to then put the right things in motion, which is now we talk about how do we activate some fundamental things for the patient uh, in their lifestyle. Um, many people were not taught and educated how to sleep, how to build more stress resiliency or um, what a healthy diet truly looks like and how that can be different from one person to the next. So we got to get into all those things. And then obviously that segues into now what I do with a lot of people in the functional medicine piece is really understand the deep inner workings of their body, uh, where they're deficient nutritionally to get their body to heal, what's going on with their gut, because we know that's such a gatekeeper for everything else. Um, look at you know, immune system reactivity by, by getting different tests. Cause you see this all the time in your practice, I'm sure with chemical sensitivities, mold sensitivities, all these things that start to rob energy from the body's ability to repair and regenerate. And so it sounds like a lot, but you know, the system is pretty clear for getting the right pieces in place to help people have the opportunity for their body to heal. 
And then, then I nudge them over on this side when we get into the regenerative space to say, now, if we got the foundation set, man, and you got the path, you're walking the path, you're doing pretty good. You don't have to be perfect, but 80% of the time you're plugged in and you're doing this stuff. Cool. Now the machinery is going to start moving in the right direction. We got your mindset machinery working the right way. We got your body's machinery working the right way. Cool. Now we can give your body a nice nudge, you know, and an assist to really heal if it's a specific tissue in your body that is physically injured and torn or, you know, has aged or degenerated to some degree, we can start to turn that clock back a little bit, or at least level out the slope where somebody's not declining so uh, precipitously over time. Yeah, no, there's so many things that are going off in my head. I'm like, I'm not going to remember when I, when I, when I, but uh, what I think of is it must be a fine line, John, when someone's injured and they're debilitated and they have major pain and they want to get better and you have to not necessarily show them what they need um, but kind of give them what they want right in terms of okay they they want to get out of pain but i don't want to tell them like hey your gut health is messed up you know we got to balance your blood sugar ultimately that's what led to this injury being much more likely because the water is over getting to the overflowing part of the cup and then this proverbial straw that broke the camel's back resulted in structural damage and injury and there's a lot of things going wrong there and and so i could see that and i'm really hopeful and excited to hear that that's where medicine is getting towards which is awesome because but but at the same time it's you have to graduate them slowly and that the other thing i was going to mention is it's like it's gotten much more sophisticated now where with rehab, it's usually a, a progressive, a progression from pa- like, pa- you know, acute to subacute to, to more um, a chronic thing, or it goes from, from passive to active to, to more evolved in terms of the rehab. But it's kind of the same thing now, except just at a much more cellular, mitochondrial, in, all-encompassing level number one, those are the things I think of. The other thing I think of too, is I remember when I injured my, my back and I don't want to make this about me, but I went for an MRI and it was a 2.5 centimeter herniation. It was a really big herniation. And I still have a little bit of numbness and radiculopathy on the outside of my, of my right, my right, my right, um, foot. And, um, I remember like I didn't want to take medication, but I would be like in tears driving to work. I'd be on the bathroom floor in between patients. I'd be like at a Starbucks and it would be like I'm taking a crap sitting down the way I was because I couldn't stand in line. It was that painful. Yeah. And um, I remember I finally got a prescription uh, for like a narcotic for pain. And I remember not like you in terms of feeling outside of my body and not really feeling my hands on the steering wheel. I remember thinking when it kicked in, it was like, okay, I could see why people like this, you know, like this is definitely like, I I got some endorphins going here. I don't have the pain. It it feels good. I kind of have like this little, you know, good euphoric feeling, but when that would wear off, I would feel nauseous and I, and I didn't even want to take it anymore because that nausea and that really tearing up my stomach was worse than the pain, you, you know, of what I was feeling. Um, so lots of clinical nuggets that you, you shared with me there. So as far as 
how do you manage the the educational process i guess when i guess i mean is it one of those things now when they come to see you they know that dr john's regenerative regenerative approach is going to include the education of how my whole body's involved for me to make a complete recovery or is it more of they didn't really realize that until you know you kind of it earned their trust got them out of pain and then kind of educated them on, okay, here's what you really need. How, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think it's, as we do often in our practice, we got to meet them where they're at. Some people come to me, um, they just have a problem, but they're not very solution aware. Um, but they know I do things a little bit differently. And they, they did enough research to say, hey, this isn't just what I've been fed with repeat cortisone shots and medications. And this guy's doing a little bit different version. Um, and some people are very solution aware, you know, they've, they've done some research, they've studied things like platelet therapy or stem cell therapy, or they're, they're somewhat knowledgeable about functional medicine. And then maybe they've even had some testing elsewhere, but I think the, the gap is really connecting the two pieces because I have plenty of colleagues that are just amazing regenerative docs that just focus purely on the injection interventional side of it. Um, and they don't really explore the nutritional side or the biopsychosocial stuff that we were talking about. And they still get great results with their patients. But I know when we integrate these two worlds, what I leave that patient with, uh, regardless of the outcome, because there are some cases where, you know, we can't turn that tissue around. You know, somebody has been beating up their knee for decades and it's an end stage bone on bone knee. Some of those I've been able to turn around and have that person avoid a, a knee replacement. Some people, they can't, but when I tell all my patients, the promise, we're going to make you healthier in the process, right? You're going to graduate out the other side of our treatment, knowing how to take care of your body, knowing the right testing to get periodically to look in on your body. And, um, I think that's huge for people. And it, it's, um, it's meeting them at that, at that place where they are and saying like, let's just take the biggest step that you're able to, um, today. And we'll just keep adding some steps down the path as we go. Uh, we don't have to make a landslide shift of your entire world when it comes to nutrition. But I look for like you do, where are those needle movers that, you know, we can, we can just take the slider and move it a little bit over here to make it better. And, and that's going to start to get some things clicking in their world where they can feel it. Because to your point, when somebody's in, in just that state where you were just like miserable, it's going to be really hard to sell them on, Hey, you know what? I want to, I want you to go home and prep every single meal and make it from scratch. And, and I want you to do that. Right. Like this whole laundry list of things that sometimes we unload on patients. Cause we're so excited about getting all that going in somebody's world. Cause that's what we do in functional medicine, but it's kind of bringing it back to the piece where it's like, okay, that's doable. I can start with that. And so for me, a lot of times I'm just like, let's get your sleep, right. You know, let's really, focus there. It's not going to take much effort other than getting you into bed every night, but work on the hour before bed. How do we get that routine, that systematic approach where we can get you sleeping better? And sometimes the pain interferes with the sleep. So we may have to use some tools there to help with the pain. But alongside that, we're like, okay, let's, let's get that, that rhythm going again. Let's get you, get your body into a deeper sleep state. Cause that's where it does heal and repair. And we know that if people are shortening that sleep interval because they're in pain, it's disrupted all night. You know, they're robbing minutes or hours even of time that their body is repairing. And they just keep stacking that stress day after day. And they really have, don't get that time to repair. 
So, it, so it is a tricky question, but it's, it's very personalized to the patient and, and what they're, you know, willing to do. Um, it's always like, okay, where, where can you meet me on this one? And what do you think is doable? Like, what's that process goal we can set for you um, for the next couple of weeks or to our next appointment that, Hey, just, if all you can work on is getting your sleep dialed in, let's work on that. Um, if you need those medications for now, that's okay. You know, our, our, our goal is to get rid of those in time if possible, but sometimes we need them again, those training wheels uh, to make things a little bit more doable. Yeah, I know it's a great answer. And I think it does come with expectations, right? In terms of meeting expectations, setting goals and asking them, okay, well, what is it that you want out of this? You know, like what, if we can address whatever it is that's missing from your life beyond just the pain that you're experiencing and the function and the limitations, what are your expectations? And I think that's key. I would be surprised though, to do a, a study between just the regenerative doctors that don't focus on all of that, that get results and, and, and someone like you in an integrative functional medicine, look at everything and set goals and expectations and do the same stuff. I would be surprised if there wasn't a significant difference between the two. What are your thoughts on, in terms of the outcomes, in terms of the, the response, you know, in terms of the increased functionality? Um, I don't know, is that, is that, what, what's your sense on that? Oh, you're on target. Uh, because when I look at my personal data in my own practice, where, you know, I, I walked into this, you know, fairly knowledgeable, but built more systems, more structure, um, the way we do it now, like our, I guess, proprietary process of looking at things and embedding these things and doing it alongside of our treatments. Uh, no question, our, our outcomes changed. And both how quickly people responded to treatment Okay, but also more, more or equally important for patients is the longevity of this treatment, right? So if I'm getting a treatment, I don't wanna be back in a year getting more treatment if it could potentially stretch two to three years because I'm working on some of this stuff over here. So, I mean, that's how I position it for my patients is like, man, wouldn't it be fantastic to get out of this situation but not have to come back? And maybe this is like a, not the, the, the best financial model for my practice. Cause if I didn't teach them those things, then they'd be back every year, right. To get more treatment. Um, but that's just not who I am. And I, I want per, you know, people to understand like, man, if, if we can unlock this system for you, where you just know where to put your energy, you know, the path to walk and man, you commit to it. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent, but if we go to the, the other side of that and your body's in this state of chaos, you're in the middle of this like danger response or whatever we want to call it, this metabolic chaos. I tell patients, if I were to take cells out of you right now in that condition and inject them right back into you, how well do you think those cells are going to work? Right. I, I equate that to taking your cells and throwing them in right back into like a wood chipper, right? It's like, <laughs> it's not going to work that well because the whole thing of how these cells work is predicated on how healthy you and your cells are to signal one another to say, Hey, we need help over here. Let's get to work repairing. But it, it, it's like, you know, these forest fires that, you know, we've read about out, out West here. It's like, man, if you're battling them on multiple fronts, you can't channel your energy right here where it's needed to really put this one out. And if we're trying to put out the fire in your knee, that's just killing you because of this arthritis or whatever it is, but you got all this metabolic chaos burning in your body everywhere man, like we'll probably still get a result. And I know we will because I trained in practices where they still got results, 
but it doesn't come as quickly. It's not as robust as it would be, and it certainly doesn't last as long. Yeah, it's a good point. I never really thought of that in terms of the frequency, right? The frequency of the body and, and at all cellular levels. And if you have a really unharmonized, disjaded frequency, it, it's going to impact the stem cells. It's going to impact the, the, the ability of the PRP and the platelets to, to be effective. It's, it's a really cool thing. I never thought of that. As far as couple more couple lots of questions if you're okay with me asking you all these Go questions what you know i find that that it's very very frustrating john because when i help some of the like i don't want to i don't let's say the train wrecks right in terms of the perfect storm they got crazy genetic susceptibilities with the most crazy environmental uh, realities and it creates this perfect storm. And in your case, um, it's an injury and it's a trauma and it's pain. And then, then a lot of doctors that are specialists that they've been to aren't talking to each other and they're not communicating. And, and then that person has a slippery slope of, 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 of prescription one through five. And then now they have the prescription six to take care of the side effect of prescription one. So how do you, how do you manage that? You, you know, I'm curious to know as a, as a colleague, but also in terms of, you know, people that are exhausted and burnt out and what they might ask is like, yeah, my doctor puts me on all this medication and it kind of helps, but I'm still in pain. I still have lack of moose motion and movement. I feel terrible and I don't know how to get off this or what the solution to that is. So I, I guess it's a, it's a, it's an open question to answer however you want. Yeah, I mean, it's a good one because I think, um, you know, sometimes there's this polarization between these worlds of like, okay, conventional medicines over here and it's all evil because they just feed you medications and they just, you know, they're in cahoots with the pharmaceutical companies. And, and you can see a lot of that out of certain sources. And it's like, and then over here, it's like the other extreme version of like, you got to walk this fine line. Um, you can never even take a smell of bread baking because you're going to be poisoned with gluten just by exposure there or, you know, whatever it is. That's like this very extreme edge. And we know how genetically susceptible people are to things like gluten. And I'm not trying to downplay that, but most people can't live on that razor edge of what some people in functional medicine say is required to get better. And it almost sets the patient up from the front end for failure because it's just not anything that they think is achievable. Like, oh, you know. Dr. Tate, you're just like, you know, you must do hours uh, of work a day on yourself and, and have all, and it's no, I've just, I've built better systems over time where things have become more automatic for me. Um, but if you don't have that knowledge and that foundational knowledge, like I did to even understand it to begin, we got to get you to that point. And then again, what, what is doable for you and walk you forward. But when it comes to the relationship with other providers, depending on where they are on those two ends of the spectrum, it's challenging, right? Because I have had patients that are co-treated by um, a functional medicine doc or naturopathic physician or somebody in that space. And, and they're running their playbook with the patient. And then you have the conventional trained doc over here who's maybe a rheumatologist taking care of the patient with his tools or her tools. Um, and the patient's trapped in the middle of these worlds. And then they come to see me and they add a third provider to the mix. <laughs> and then it's like, to your point, how you know, how do we all talk? Because in my training as a physiatrist, physical medicine rehab doc, we did these rounds in the hospital where we had all the people at the table. We had your primary care doc, 
You know, we had the subspecialist over here. Um, we had the, the various physical therapists or occupational therapists, psychologists, the whole team sat around the table and said, how do we get this person better, independent, home and out of this hospital? And that was our focus. But, you know, as we know, when we get out in these worlds, when we're all in our own private practices and the communication isn't there, what it creates is, is a lot of confusion for the patient. So without the communication, there's so much confusion. And um, I think it's a really challenging thing. And, I, you know, I think the only way I've I've approached it as uh, telling patients like it, it's not an either or thing. Like I read an email this morning of a woman that said, hey, can you help me get off these poisonous medications? My rheumatologist has me on. Well, no question. If we look at how some of those medications work, I mean, some of them are chemotherapy agents, right? It's literally a poison. So I get what she's saying. But man, if we're going to pull her off that and think just giving her like a curcumin capsule is going to fix her inflammation right now. It's not going to happen. She's going to be in a world of pain. So we need to bridge that gap and ideally bring that person into the conversation. But I'm sure you've found that challenging in your practice. I find it challenging in mine to get providers that understand enough of what we do to not find it threatening, but we can, we can really integrate those two worlds and say, okay, the patient needs to be seeing you for some of that treatment. I'm going to be working with her in this space. And collectively, aren't we all on the same page trying to get this patient better? so she can live more functionally, have less pain and have the best quality of life she can. And if you're threatened by me teaching her about nutrition, <laughs> like, you know, it's just kind of, then it does become ignorance because that's all I'm doing is working with your patient to help her understand her lifestyle and her nutrition better. Um, something that, that you're not really focusing on and I don't expect you to. So it's, it, it is like, it is that dance we got to walk sometimes. Um, because I think they'll look at things through a different lens that may be useful and complementary to what I'm doing. It's not all bad. And I think when things are presented that way, it, it can be a disservice to patients to think like they got to pick one of the two worlds, either I'm all in over here on the integrative functional medicine side, and I'm just going to pull myself off all my medications without telling my doctor and go over here. And that, that can be really detrimental to some people. And I'm sure you've seen those quote train wreck people come in who have done that to themselves saying, I don't want that version. I want this healthier version. And they've tried to cobble together this system, but uh, you know, they need an expert like you. They need an expert guide to guide them up that path if we're going to get them where they want to go. So it's, I, I'm still challenged by it in my practice to find people you know, in my community that really understand what I do, really understand that I'm, I'm complementing what they're doing. Uh, and over time, sure, it may minimize some of um, the work they need to be doing, um, and I, and I see this sometimes, uh, that we just got to form the network of people that get it and, uh, want to work together collaboratively and the folks that don't get it. I tell the patients over time, you know, you may just want to look elsewhere to find somebody to do that component for you. Yeah, no, it's a great answer that you have. You spoke about it earlier in terms of, uh, the, 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 the entire integrative approach. I think that the, the point I was going to say earlier with that Navio study that you, you've, you've cited is that at the end of the, the study, he talks about the, the, the book of medicine, the second book of medicine being written. The first one is the acute based, which was great. Um, and the second one is more of the, the, not so much the chronic based, but the, the, the life cycle of healing that isn't gonna be applied with the same acute-based approaches. So it's a paradigm shift and it's an educational shift and for patients and doctors alike. 
And, and I think that doing stuff like this and having a podcast, because I, I know like if I have a client who, when I used to do more brick and mortar and come in and they didn't know what gluten was, I did a bad job of like, you're not, we can't talk like no offense, <laughs> but we can't talk. Like I'm, I got too many other things that are going to go over your head and, and you're not going to understand. And, and if you don't know that. And I think that's our responsibility as providers to educate because that's what a doctor does is they teach. And I think that if they're not answering, asking the right questions, which in today's day and age, John, I'm sure you see it, the, edu- the, 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 the patient is much more sophisticated. Um, they have a lot more knowledge. In fact, at a fault, right? They're, ed- they're, they're going too much into the research and, and I let them know, I want to free you of that. I, I don't want you spending valuable energy doing that because if your weak link in the chain is musculoskeletal pain and inflammation, um, you're going to only add more fuel to the fire in that area. And it's going to manifest as, as joint pains or brain fog or headaches. Um, so I, I, I like what you're saying in terms of it's a fine line um, we can only do our best to educate and, and I like expectations in terms of what are your goals and how can I reach them? And does that make sense? Are we a good fit for each other? Maybe I'm not a good fit for you. And I've also said too, what you've said is I'm team patient. I'm not team Joel, you know, uh, or auntie John I'm team patient, you know? So what I want is, um, I want to do what's right by you. I think that I'm open to a dialogue with that other doctor and let them know what I'm doing and how what they're doing can complement what I'm doing or what I'm doing can complement what you're doing. And let's get the patient feeling better. And unfortunately, not all doctors are there in that mindset either. They're insecure or they're jaded or they're just tired, whatever it is, you know. So the other question I wanted to get into, if you're open to it, is regenerative medicine. So what exactly is stem cells? What are platelet, you know, PRP? Um, what, what is that? What does it do and how does it facilitate healing? Yeah, it's, it's easy question and can be a broad answer. So we'll, we'll keep it at a high level today, but you know, your body, the default mechanism of your body is cellular regeneration. Right? Until you take your last breath, that's what your body is doing for you. It's, it's remarkable right? that these cells just turn over and turn over and repair these tissues over time. Now, what we know as we age is our ability to turn those cells over slows. Um, it can be compromised by some of the things that we're talking about, depending on this like allostatic load of stress that's on our body every day. It's going to compromise and you know, grind up that time faster for people. Um, but if we get them recalibrated the right way, uh, thinking the right things, doing the right things for their body. Okay. Now let's look at what these cells actually do in your body. So everybody's cut their finger before and it bleeds. And if it's not a super deep cut, it clots and it stops bleeding. But internally what's going on there, when we cut through some capillaries to get some bleeding like that, we're releasing these different cells and we see the red blood because there's red cells there. But what we can't see is the white cells and the platelets usually, but platelets have these reservoirs of growth factors within them. And they're released into that environment and your cells chemically communicate and talk to one another. 
And so the injured tissue is telling the other cells in your body, you're injured, number one. Number two, you need some help over here cleaning up the mess. Uh, and, and number three, over time, we're gonna have to repair this mess. And it's nothing we have to think about, right? Our body is like beautifully designed to do this for us. And over a few days or a week or a couple of weeks, we can no longer see where we even cut our finger, right? Completely healed and mended itself. And so, you know, in the 1990s, what came about is the use of this really in a lot of facial cosmetic surgery, dentistry for like these, you know, you know things they were treating. And, and then it started to spill over into the orthopedic field where the mechanism of healing we know goes through these stages of inflammation and cell recruitment and repair and strengthening and remodeling, but we could induce these responses in a tissue that said, or, or say failed to heal over an expected length of time. And now we could go in there and needle that injury with these growth factors, really deliver it to the site of this um, injured tissue and stimulate a healing response with that tissue. So that's very briefly how platelets work. Stem cells in our body um, you know, that are found in multiple sources. They can be circulating in our bloodstream, uh, but they're held in the reservoirs of our bones or bone marrow. We also house some in our adipose tissue, our fat tissue. There's a fraction of stem cells. And these are much more powerful than platelets because the old school thinking was this cell would interact with this environment where it was injured. So we're giving off this homing beacon of injury. And these cells in our body migrate and are attracted to that signaling that's given off. And then this stem cell can literally convert into a new cell to help that struggling tissue. And then around 2013 or 14, we realized that beyond just this cell differentiation, as we called it, there is this process by which our cells are releasing these packets of growth factors with a kind of a blueprint you know, that it's sending on its way, hey, here's the growth factor material and the blueprint to grow some new things. And we called those packets, or they did, exosomes. So our stem cells release these exosomes into the environment. And now we can have a one to many cell response. And that's really where things have taken off since that time. It's just like hockey sticked up with all the different biologic products that now we can acquire from various sources or and take them from the patient. So taking them out of your cell reservoirs, whether it's your bone marrow, like in the back of your hip, your ileum is where I harvest those from, or your adipose off the flank, or drawing your blood and getting platelets. Uh, but they all induce this, this amazing healing response. And if our body is set up the right way, and then we put these in there, uh, it can really nudge, nudge this tissue to turn around. And, um, you know, I've seen cases of people that are bone on bone slated for knee replacements that we've treated. I talked to a woman the other day, she's 80% better, happy as she can be. Her x-ray still looks horrific, <laughs> but because it's not going to grow an entire layer of cartilage back in her knee. But I tell people it's much like the crappy roads around your town. If you have any, they don't always go out there and tear the road down to dirt and rebuild it. What do they do? They top coat it. They fill in the potholes. They seal it. It's the same thing. If we got these cracks and potholes in our cartilage, we can, we can fill those. We can decrease that inflammatory chaos in your joints so you don't feel as painful. Uh, if it's a tissue like a ligament or a tendon in the shoulder, that tissue's you know, partially torn, we can get it to heal and mend itself. So, I mean, it's really cool and it's been a game changer in, in the orthopedic field over the last decade plus that we can now do these things that are so far less invasive than a surgery, because many of these people, unfortunately, get stuck in this middle space where it's like, 
okay, you can take medications, you can get cortisone shots in your knee, but it's not working anymore. And maybe the patient's too young, they're in their early 50s and they say, hey, you're way too young to replace your knee. I don't wanna, you know, the doc surgeon rightfully says, hey, if we're gonna replace your knee, we want it to last a long time. If we can only get 20 years out of that knee, we should wait, replace it later. So what do you do in the meantime? What do you do for the next decade? Just, you know, again, back to our point earlier, do you just stay miserable? Or is there something now that we can do interventionally? And this is the something that really a lot of those patients that I see are in that middle space where it's like, man, I, I don't want the surgical option or I'm too young for it. Um, I certainly don't want to live on medication forever because they're not really working. They make me feel terrible or they're tearing up my gut or whatever. Uh, this gives us just a plethora of tools now that we can, we can use to really target that injured tissue. No, that's great. And um, I think that I can see why that Navio, like I, you know, I was thinking like, as you were saying that that should be required reading for any regenerative medicine practitioner, any practitioner for that matter, but specifically in the rehab and the regeneration of tissues. Um, But you kind of went upstream and thought about the cell danger response to why in the first place, the body kind of broke down as it did as well, which kudos to you for, for doing that. Um, I always like to ask my clients this question, or my clients, my, the people that I interview on this podcast, um, the last, this last question that um, I, I think is really helpful for the listeners. And it's, hey, Dr. John, knowing what you know now, because you can see your knowledge and you've put a lot of work into this and you have your own personal story and you work with people one-on-one. So it, it means a lot to hear your answer to this. But what would you say to the young maybe easily breaking down John or even the misguided John or the, the John that needed the older wise sage John to give him advice that you know now, what would that be? What would those words of wisdom be to the younger self now? Great question. Um, you know, I, I think it's the, the most impactful thing that, that I'm doing now in my practice is trying to get the people earlier in their life. Like to that point, if I could go back to that time and say, man, like you're driving really hard in these areas, you know, you're building a practice, you're doing this, you're training at a high level because that's, that's what we know how to do. And we have that resiliency in our twenties and our thirties. And at some point though, if we're not deeply taking care of the right things in our world, whether it's our psychology our relationships, our health or nutrition, and there's plenty of physicians, as I know that aren't the healthiest specimens in the world, uh, your body will get to that point where it will stop you, right? It knows you're not giving it enough attention and that, or whether we call it the cell danger response or whatever it is, it's a breaking point. Your body cumulatively keeps the score. And if if it knows you're not giving it enough, at some point it will shut you down, right? So, you know, that, that is the thing that, man, if I look back in time, And, you know, the things that we put our effort and our energy sometimes into that are beyond our control or the things we like get us, you know, frustrated or stressed uh, in our work. Um, It's really now I've done a lot of work in the last decade to to understand that. Um, And now learning more, you know, I guess, stoic philosophy of like, what, what really is in my control? What isn't, you know, what actions, what mindset can I have about how I approach my day? Um, And not, 
waste time because you know th that time is such a finite resource of like man what am i giving my time to and my practice you know whether it's my patients uh um you know am i working with the right people that really you know like what i do value what i do and we have this great working relationship or is it this tug of war or maybe it's people that are in a business and i have a lot of young professionals that are very successful in their practice but their body is beat up it's fatigued it's worn out and these guys are in their late 20s and I'm just like, whoa, like we got to like, we got to intervene now because what are your forties and your sixties going to look like? So I think it's, it, it's a deep question that, um, you know, has to be very personalized to that, that individual, but it's, you know, what we do, like you said, we're teachers, you know, we, we want to pass our knowledge that we're learning and studying. Like you said, there's so much out here in our space, but bring it all the way down to just the fundamentals, because I think what I see the miss is, is as things have exploded in the world of, you know, biohacking and everything else that people are into. And there's, there's some really cool stuff out there, but people are leapfrogging over the, just the basics, you know, yeah. and they're grinding too many hours. There's not enough reset time in their day, not enough reset time in their weekend. Um, you know, there's just this imbalance in their life, you know, and like identifying that earlier can keep the body from getting into that breaking point. Um, and, and just, you know, really keeping it simple on the foundational things. Like, um, you know, what I do more than anything is pull people off supplements rather than add more to their list. You know, it's like, Hey, let's, let's have a reason for all these things we're using, um, and make it sensical, test some things instead of guess, um, and really get a playbook that you can use. That's going to pay you back year after year after year for that time that you're putting into those things. But it's, uh, yeah, I don't have a perfect answer to that, but I think for me, it's like, man, I was, I was driving a lot of energy into the wrong places, you know, and um, thinking about if I would have just channeled this energy somewhere else, like <laughs> how much different it would be. <laughs> well, you're talking about wisdom, you know, that's what wisdom is. And you wish you would have had more wisdom before you had to go through the trials and tribulations that born wisdom, you know, and it's kind of like a catch 22. Um, I, I get a couple of ideas in terms of did you ever read that book who moved my cheese by um spencer johnson i think his name is it's a very quick read okay. and it's about these mice that um have this station where they have cheese in there every day and they put on their running shoes and they go in there and um, they get their cheese and then they expect it to be there and I think their names are Ham and Ha, right? And so they finally, one day the cheese isn't there and they're hemming and hawing. But the thing is, is that they weren't taking steps, they weren't taking stock of their surroundings and they weren't aware of the changing nature of, of demands in their body. And it's really like who moved my cheese for the body, so to speak, in terms of understanding um, the load that stress plays on your body and, and being aware of it. Cause it's no surprise, you, you know, that when you do break down um, you're not going to avoid it. And you look back and you kind of play the movie reel of your health. Um, you see, there's no like big surprises in terms of why did this happen? You know, late nights, coffee, poor nutrition, lack of activity, bad mental processes, um, just, just, it's not a surprise. So look in the mirror, take accountability 
and maybe get a little more wisdom before you have to go through some of those major trials and tribulations, I think. So as far as Dr. John, great information, how would I, if I want to learn more a little bit about what you do, um, how would I find out about who you are, where you are, where are you on, on the social media or on websites or, or anything like that? How would I get in contact with you? Sure. Uh, on social, uh, Facebook and Instagram, it's just Dr. John Tate, J-O-H-N-T-A-I-T. Uh, my practice re- website is rejuvemedicalsw.com. So R-E-J-U-V medicalsw.com. Um, there's a lot of different things we have on there, um, you know, to get people understanding this world. You know, I wrote a guide for, you know, just a consumer guide to regenerative medicine. If people know nothing of this stuff, and they want to learn the basics. Yeah, you know, we have some, you know, simple things like that on our, our website that are totally free resources. People can download those, um, you know, start to just learn that there's other things out there than maybe uh, they've been offered because they just haven't been in the right clinics, right? With the people that know these things exist, right? I still encounter many primary care docs, physical therapists, chiropractors, doesn't matter what their background is, but some of them have never even heard of this stuff. So I, I think that, like you said, we have everything at the, at the tips of our fingers online now, you know, and it's almost a, we're saturated with information, but sometimes we're, we're still not finding the right information. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, great information, John. I appreciate your time. Um, wish you future success um, to you and your family and your practice and the clients and patients that you work with. And I, when it goes this well with the podcast, I always leave the door open for you to come back for another interview. So I appreciate your time today and I wish all the best to you in the future. No, my pleasure. It was a lot of fun and uh, yeah, I'll certainly be back anytime. Awesome. Take care. Thanks for tuning into today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested to see if you're a good fit to work with our Adrenal Awakening program, here's what to do next. Head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak to our team. Here's how it works. We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, where exactly do you want to be with your health and where are you now? Number two, what are the genetic components that haven't been discovered that are impacting your health? And number three, what are the environmental triggers that may be overlapping with these genetic components keeping you from getting optimal health? Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make that happen. We've helped clients all over the world transform their lives quadruple their energy, and fix their metabolism, and make the world a better place. To see if you can do the same thing, head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply. I'm Dr. Richard Joel Rosen, and we'll talk to you soon.